everyone. I'm Jen. I'm Anthony, and this is Bottom Bracket Biking Podcast. A couple's guide to biking. Welcome to episode seven. Today we are going to be talking about the Center 5.0, and we'll hit a little bit on the 650 as well. And then we're going to talk about what it takes to do a longer race physically, mentally, and mechanically. Yeah, so the uh, Center 5.0 is a knockoff of the Dakota 5.0. Which is an actual mountain bike race in South Dakota. Yeah, I mean, I would argue Center 5.0 is an actual race. Let's just say that one of them, there are actually 50 miles of trail, and one of them you do 17 laps. Is the Dakota 5.0 one lap? I believe it is. I looked into it at one point, and at least at that time, it looked like it was just one lap. Man, why am I still doing the one here? I don't know, dude. All right, well, anyway... The Center 5.0 is 50 miles of the center trails down in Des Moines, Iowa. The Center 5.0, how did that start? So as far as I'm aware, and I was not involved in the beginning of this, but there were some mountain bikers in Iowa who did not want to drive all the way to South Dakota to do the Dakota 5.0, but they still liked the idea of that race distance. So they calculated how many loops they'd have to do on, they call it the loop of regret, um, is the segment on this trail, and I think it might have to actually do with the Center 5.0. Um, but it turns out that if you do 17 laps of this, you get to 50 miles. I mean, that's a much more politically correct way than I was going to say. I just picture a bunch of mountain bikers pouting because they didn't get into the Dakota 5.0. <laughs> I'm just saying, we'll make our own. I could see that as well. But uh, 50 miles of mountain biking is no joke. It's It's ridiculous. So I want to break in here and say that Anthony actually did the Center 5.0. Um, I did the unofficial Center 2.0, so I did seven laps and got to 20 miles, which that was my goal, so I'm pretty happy with that. The unofficial unofficial? Yes. And then off of the Center 5.0, we, we started doing this uh, 50 miles of South Sycamore. It's a different trail. So Sick 50. And the reason we did that was just to uh, bet in the trails a little bit. Apparently, if you tell people to show up and ride a crazy distance and you'll provide donuts for them because that's a brilliant idea in the middle of a mountain bike race, then they'll show up and you'll end up with good trails. Yeah. So the first year I did, last year was the first year I actually went. And this is the Center 5.0, to be clear. Yeah. So we're going to talk about the Center 5.0 here. Uh, last year was the first year I did it, and that was where I put a rib kind of out of place. Mile 42, I wrecked. And then it rained after that, so I just said, oh, I can't go any further. The rain is happening, not the fact that I couldn't breathe. Yeah, that, that would have been bad. Yeah, and that rib is still kind of, it hurts when I laugh, but <laughs> I, think I don't do that much, so it's okay. Right. One of the interesting things about this year is that I think people are typically excited for the Center 5.0, but given the fact that we had no race series this year, a lot of people were even more excited because... You know, there are people that I don't see unless it's at races, really. And so this is one where you just kind of show up at your own risk. There's nothing super official about it. We all tried to stay spread out as possible. Um, and it was really nice getting to see the biking community. Yeah, I think we ended up having like 30 people show up. 33, maybe. Something like that. And out of that, I 17 finished, I think. Mm-hmm. Which is not a great finishing rate. No, but for 50 miles of mountain biking, it's not bad. So, for context, it took me four hours and 44 minutes, and I was one of the first people done. I don't know what the last finisher time was. It was probably way more than that. This year, however, 
we got to deal with extreme heat and humidity. Oh, yeah, that was fun. It felt like you were biking through a sauna. Yeah, there was a, in the morning, it was so humid that my glasses would fog up even while I was biking. And then once the humidity went away, it only went away because it got hot enough to absorb all the extra moisture. So my glasses have removable lenses. They're the photochromic lenses, but you can swap them out for other ones. And I actually had to stop because I was trying to rub my glasses off really quick so I could see. And I accidentally pulled one of the lenses out. So that was really fun. Um, like two people passed me when that was going on. Not that I was going to win anyhow, but that was my first lap stress. Yeah. In the Center 5.0, there is no winning. Uh, if you get first, you get nothing more than the person who got last. You still get the same Coke and donuts and gross burps for an hour. I guess you get bragging rights. Yeah, but we don't even officially keep track, so it doesn't even matter. True. So I decided early on that I was not going to do all 50 miles of it. And I actually think, you know, Anthony said we had 17 people who finished. I know of the others that did not finish. Some of them showed up only planning on doing, you know, maybe four laps because that's what they had time for that morning. So it's not like everybody went out there trying to get 50 and just didn't. Um but when Anthony did this last year, I remember thinking that he was absolutely crazy and there is no way in heck that I was going to go try to do 17 laps when like my normal, I'm, I'm good with two or three laps there. Like I just, I don't like pedaling in circles that much. So this year was more about proving to myself that I could do it. Like I've done 20 miles on a mountain bike before, but I don't do it as frequently as a lot of the people there do. So I was like, okay, well, I'm going to pick a number that feels achievable. I know I can bike 20 miles. That's not a problem. And I got to 20 miles. I was like, I could keep going. Like, I could try to do the center 3-0 instead of the center 2-0. And that's about the time that the heat and humidity really ramped up. I'm like, nope, I'm good. I hit my goal. I'm done. Yeah, the 5-0 events are really fun because of that, for that exact reason. I mean, you can show up and do 10 miles, talk to some people, and go home if you want. Um, it's a good, ironically, it's, I think it's a good intro event. <laughs> well, yeah, it's, there's not very much pressure on it because we're all just out there being idiots, having fun. Yeah. And you did 20 miles and we all make fun of you, right? Oh no, not no, at all. Nobody, if you didn't say that, nobody would even remember. Yeah. It's just about hanging out with people and having fun this year, especially because we, being a parking lot, we have enough room to stay away from each other. And so those who wanted to could kind of stay outside and just bike yeah it was i actually had a lot of fun once i got done with my seven laps because um sat down in the parking lot spaced myself out from everybody and then you'd see the people come through and it's like well i'm at like i don't know nine or ten laps and i think i might be done but they'd sit there for a while and then one of their buddies would bike through and tell them they're being a pansy and so they'd get back on their bike and do two more laps and come back and have a beer and then maybe do another one and the whole thing was just a very friendly, fun atmosphere. Yeah, there are some people I've heard who will do these kind of events and just have a beer every time they come by. Yeah. They're, um, they don't generally tend to finish. I would agree from what I saw hanging out there that that was probably the case. So, fun fun fact, last year, or no, three years ago at this race, there was a big crash because somebody had ridden the course, course quote-unquote, <laughs> the circle backwards. He was out there earlier just mm -hmm. to get a couple laps in before the event. And when they started, they rode it the quote-unquote correct way. 
and they ended up meeting on one of the bridges head on. Oh, buddy. Yeah. That's not fun. I think the guy, he managed to hold his body together, but it, it was a pretty bad wreck. <laughs> yeah, they still talk about it. So, moral of the story, I guess, don't start without the pack. Well, so two thoughts on that. There were a couple guys that got there. It started at 7 o'clock to try to beat the heat. And there are a few guys that got there and started at 6, but they came back and stopped and made sure they were in the parking lot at 7 whenever and left. Speaking about going the correct way, they originally they told us that we were going to be going counterclockwise and nobody really wanted to go counterclockwise. It's That's a lot more climbing and it's just a bit less fun. And so a couple people looked at each other and one of them's like, well, I'm going to ride clockwise, so you can pass me or you can come with me. And everyone's like, we're going to ride clockwise. Another fun thing with the Center 5.0 is it's not an official event, which means it's open to runners and walkers. So it's the one day a year that we really make the walkers angry. <laughs> so there are these two trail runners out there, and I think they actually liked seeing the people come through. I passed them like, I don't know, four times. And by the end, it's just like, hey, yeah, and how's it going? And I actually heard one of them say to the other, like, hey, this works for us. We've got another excuse to stop for a minute. Was it those two ladies? Yeah. They yeah. seem pretty happy with it. Yeah, they, um, I, I, I was making friends with them. By the third time I passed them, I was like, hey, runner friends. And <laughs> the guy I was riding with joked that I was going to have a new date by the end of the ride. This did not happen, though. This is good. I would have been slightly disgruntled about this. Well, we would just go have supper and it would be fine. Yeah. There was <laughs> a, there was one guy out there who must have been like trying to train for some backpacking trip because he had, a way bigger backpack than you'd ever need in Iowa. Well, a backpacking um, bag. Yeah. And looked all official, had shiny boots on, and he did not look too happy the third time that I passed him. I think he wanted to get out and have the trails to himself, and he picked the wrong Saturday to do it. Mm-hmm. He looked pissed. But, oh well, they're open trails. Yeah, I actually think he's the only person I saw who wasn't, like, understanding or even kind of interested in what was going on. Yeah, there was one section on a, they call it poolside, coming down where you can jump and stuff. I was flying down that hill, and there's this one section that I love to jump, and you can kind of go off the trail a little bit and land back on the trail. And I was hauling butt trying to get speed for it. And right, not right, but when I got to the jump, there was a family on the landing. And so (laughs) I just hit my brakes and slowed way down. I was like, oh, hi, I'm just having a good time. Don't mind me, but... (laughs) It was just kind of funny going from 20 miles an hour to five right when I wanted to be jumping. Yeah. But that's the way it goes there. The um, 650 is, this was the first year we did it. It was just mainly the uh, bed in the trail that we had just cut in. And that was much less dramatic. Actually, no. Someone broke their, may have broken their collarbone on that ride. Oh, yeah. So I did not do this ride. Um, so Anthony, tell us about it. Uh, South Sycamore is a like North Sycamore, but it's further south. And it has... So, so... But South Sycamore has kind of fallen into disarray. I think this is the first year it's been rideable in a while. Didn't it used to be the main trail at Sycamore? Yeah, they used to have, like, legit races and stuff there. It used to be super popular. I don't know what happened to it, really. Um, the history of the Iowa mountain bike trail is rather interesting, but we won't get into that. But this one in particular... I think it used to be known as the Ghetto Target. Ghetto Target? Mm-hmm. The, the trail? Targetto, yeah. There used to be a Target there where the DOT building is. Oh, well, okay then. Yeah, this was way before we were there, but but they would have uh, races there. Mm-hmm. 
And so it was actually really, really popular for a while, and then it was kind of forgotten about, and now we're trying to revive it. So part of the sick f- or South Sick Revival <laughs> is the Sick 50 ride. But that one, shockingly, not shockingly, someone managed to apparently hurt themselves pretty bad. Did anyone hurt themselves at the center ride? I don't think so. I mean, like, people came back looking like they were in a lot of pain, but I think it's just because they were going really hard. Yeah. Like, I didn't see any blood. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I actually think that the Center 5-0, at least before we left, there were no injuries, and I haven't heard of any, and if we probably would have if there are big ones. Did you hear that somebody down at Banner, um, during the Sick 50 day, wrecked, broke a collarbone, five ribs, and punctured a lung? I did hear that. Yeah. I want to talk to that guy. And so now, so continuing this. Humpty Dumpty, if you're listening, we want to talk to you. (laughs) Different one. So Sycamore is basically flat most places. Um, Center is, it's not flat, but it's not brutal. Banner is just up and down and crazy. And you really have to be on Banner and so people were talking about how stupid it would be to do a Banner 5.0. So we're not going to do a Banner 5.0. There's now a Banner 4.0 that's coming up. Yeah, this is the, I, we're going to have to call this like the Idiot Series or something. Oh my god, it's, we need t-shirts or medals or something. Like if you complete all three without breaking a bone, you get a medal. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I love that idea. We could throw Ewing in there too. All four trails around Des Moines, you have to do 50 miles, and then you get... Oh, I love this idea. That would be so fun. All right, well... Th- okay, guys, we've got a new series planned. This might be our next year thing. Let's make it happen. IMBCS can suck it. We're doing the idiot cup. <laughs> Just finishing it is a reward. But, uh, yeah, that's the kind of the... Uh, what, the endurance mountain biking series around Des Moines. Uh, it's, it's totally unofficial... People doing it recognize they're idiots. We have donuts at the beginning because we like to have donut burps for two hours. But it's a fun event. If you guys are considering riding a long ways on a mountain bike, that's a good one. Or if you just want to go and hang out and, you know, maybe see how good you are compared to other people. Oh, yeah. I think Fuller did three or four laps and then he just like he had some issue with his eye or something. It's like, yeah, I'm, I'm not feeling like riding anymore. I'm done. So he just... Sat down, probably had three beers before I finished the rest of my laps, and was just generally happy. Yeah. Fuller showed up to the sick 50 and the center one, and just did a little while, and he just that's what he wanted to do that day. So, next year, come out, do it. We'll do the Idiot Cup. Maybe we'll have some winners. <laughs> we really need to make that happen. If I skip that wedding, we go to, we have, I can do Banner. Yeah, but then I have to go to the wedding alone. Not my problem. <laughs> Uh oh, I don't have a bell. Oh no. <laughs> All right. Did we get the bell? Did we get the bell? Yes, we got the bell. I kept recording specifically for that. Um, it is gear talk time. Uh, Jen, would you like to go first? Sure. So, my favorite item this week is my Velarosa kit, particularly the shorts. So Velarosa is actually it's it's two things. One, it's a women's cycling team in Central Des Moines. And two, it is a women's cycling clothing company, and they are not the exact same thing, but they are related. So the women's cycling team wears the clothing, and so I got a team kit this year, and uh, 
was actually very excited to wear it for races. And then we do not have any races going on this year. So I've been wearing it whenever I get an excuse to. It is what I wore at the Center 5.0 since I, it was kind of a race, I guess. But I have always had issues with bike shorts, like on long rides. It's just not comfortable. I have to <laughs> shift a lot. It pinches. No bueno. No bueno. So anyhow, and I have not fully tested this, but I have noticed that when I wear my Velarosa shorts, that is less of a problem. And since they are like a lot of thought has gone into making these women specific and comfortable and good, that it would not surprise me if they actually did make a difference. But anyhow, I am loving them and they're black and pink and just look really cool. So yay. Ooh, also, any other ladies out there, you don't have to do black and pink. They have cheetah print. They have blue with flowers. They have like a million different options. They're really pretty. I want more. I don't need to buy like 10 more kits, even if I want to, but check them out. I hate bike shorts. I wear them because I have to, but if I don't have to, I won't wear them. Oh yeah. This dude on short ride stores is like gym shorts from middle school. Yep. Longer rides, I'll wear them, but oh God, they just... You don't like your super suit? I don't. It's just bad. Maybe you need Velarosa ones. Yes. Hot pink and black. <laughs> Make your butt look good. Make Well, no, that's not how that works. Yeah, you don't really have a butt. No, you need to have a butt to make it look good. <laughs> uh, my gear of the week is actually something that money can't buy. I know, right? It is a squeaky brakes. Why do you like squeaky brakes? All right, hear me out on this one. I, I've, this was has to do with COVID and has to do with uh, the trails being all overgrown. Do you know when you use your brakes? Ooh, coming around a turn. Coming around a turn. So you go into a turn, you hit your brakes, and guess what you don't have to use then? A bell. A bell. It's crazy. So my the rear brake on my cross bike, which I rode down to the, the Sycamore Trail to ride, mm-hmm. if I squeeze it gently, it'll squeak. Oh. And so if I squeeze it really hard, like I'm really trying to stop, it doesn't do it. But if I give it a little squeeze, it'll just shriek. And so I started using that to actually warn people when I would come up to a turn. I'd come up to it and just give it a little screech. You know what I use? It's not like nails on the chalkboard. What? I use my flywheel because yeah. it's really loud on my bike. And I, I'm, I'm typically not pedaling through a turn anyhow. But that can be that can sound a lot like cicadas. It can sound like other things. And... Mm. Some bikes are really, really quiet. True. Yeah, my mountain bike is really loud, which is why I use that. Yeah, and I don't... If you have a screaming wheel, that'll get people's attention mm-hmm. more than just a kind of hum. Uh, I know it's a really weird gear thing, but I was super excited <laughs> about it because coming around corners, just scream. Oh, my goodness. And here we go. Yeah, I can actually really appreciate that because about two weeks ago, I was out in... Uh, J11 at Center Trails, and I was going back through a trail the way that I typically, it's the opposite way that most people take it. And I probably got an inch and a half to two inches um, from running head on into a guy who was out there on his bike. And yet that was one of the turns that was not severe enough that I wasn't braking or, you know, I was flying through the turn and he was doing the same thing on the other side and the grass was really tall. So yeah. Squeaky brakes, who knew? Only mildly. If they squeaked all the time, I would lose my mind. But mm-hmm. it's just the first little bit that it screams, and so I can scream before I come around the corner. 
That way I don't make the walkers scream. I like to picture you just like screaming anyhow. Good luck finding that on the market. <laughs> you need to make that little like a uh, little piece of metal that will just barely hit your wheel. New marketing idea. TMTM. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, for the second portion of our show, we will be talking about physical, mental, mechanical. Or if you want to stay with the BBB of the podcast, body, brain, and bike. Yes. I, I like physical, mental, mechanical. I know you do. That's what I started out with, but it is a essentially a diagnostic, a self-diagnostic system so, for long-distance biking. And this is something that we wanted to tie into the Center 5.0 because as I was going through it, this is something that I was kind of assessing the whole time. We do this on gravel rides as well, but it's just a really good way of, you know, when you're sick of being out there pedaling, when your legs are a little bit tired, you need to actually have a system to assess how you're doing. I mean, it's a checklist is what it is. It's the same reason that surgeons and uh, pilots use checklists. Uh, You can be told to check all these things on your plane, but after a five-hour ride in a loud plane, listening to podcasts or whatever, you might forget, you know, the landing gear, which happens. And so this is the same thing, except for it's for yourself. So this is something that Anthony came up with, or did you discover it somewhere? No, just from riding long terms, I started going through the different things. So yeah, this is something that Anthony came up with. And then when I started getting into longer rides and was, I think I was a little bit whiny to begin with. Like, oh, this hurts. Oh, I don't want to go anymore. Like, oh, that's oh. generous. Hey, nice. <laughs> I tried. So anyhow, he kind of talked me through this and it really helped because then I could be like, okay, I'm not dying. I'm not about to fall off my bike and my bike isn't about to fall apart. Which is kind of the key part. So physical, do you want to explain these since you're the one that came up with it? Well, yeah. The point of these is that once you're three hours into a ride, you're not thinking. You start getting lazy. I specifically start pedaling poorly. But you can go through and say, all right, am I doing okay physically? You know, is my knee blowing out? Is my back hurting really bad? Does uh, my hoo-ha hurt? Because ouch. my shorts suck. Yes, exactly. And these are important things because they can... You know, those can totally derail you. Specifically my knee, if I don't pedal correctly, it'll start blowing itself out and then I can't ride anymore. One other thing that I tag on with physical is like nausea. Nausea? Wow, that was said poorly. Um, Nausea. Yeah, so like, am I hungry? Do I need to change something with that? Did I not eat in enough time? Like, how's my stomach doing? Because that can derail me pretty quickly. Yeah, and the physical kind of leads into the mental because if you haven't eaten for a while, you might be you might not feel mentally there all the way. A big mental one that I run into is just not wanting to do it anymore. Mm-hmm. Uh, mile thirty six on the Sycamore fifty, I thought I don't want to do this. I just want to go home, be in air conditioning, and so I actually stopped because it was getting bad enough. That I had to kind of have a little talk with myself. Along with that is that maybe you haven't eaten enough food, you're getting low blood sugar, and you need to have a goo packet or water. Yeah, what I notice the most on mental is my reaction time starts slowing down, which is not nearly as big of an issue when I'm on gravel because it's usually I'm going in a straight line, and like the turns, you can see them coming from a long ways away, and so I, I can have slower reactions. But yeah, when you're out there mountain biking and you know there is something that's going to come up, especially on some of the... Tri- like, there are a couple spots on the Center 5.0 where I'm like, okay, I need to pay attention to this. 
because five laps in, if I don't pay attention here, I'm going to hit my handlebar because it's tight and I'm going to go over the bars. Um, but yeah, just kind of noticing like, how am I riding? Am I, am I on my A game? Yeah, it's a bit of a meta thing too, because you have to step back from what you're actually doing to look at how you're doing it. Of like, did I clear this well? Did I clear that well? Maybe I should consider my mental. It's it's very kind of a metal metacognitive type thing. But the the physical can affect the mental, and the mental can affect the physical. Like if I don't concentrate on my knee, my knee doesn't track correctly, and then I have problems. And then finally, there's the mechanical, which is pretty self-explanatory. Does your bike work? Does your bike work, and is it degrading? I have uh, brakes on my mountain bike that like to not work very well, and they may or may not degrade over time. And so that's a mechanical thing that I have to keep track of, especially if I'm in Bentonville going down a huge hill and may need to actually use them, which I have had problems with those brakes there before. Yeah, and that's mechanical is one of the things where it like or physical and mental are tied together. Mechanical is kind of its whole separate thing. But it could turn physical really quick because if you're going down a huge hill in Bentonville and your brakes don't work, then you're flying over the bars <laughs> and then you're done for the day. And then you're probably pissed off too, so it's also mental. Yeah, I would say that the mechanical can affect the other two, but the other two don't really affect your bike. Yeah. Like, if you're not pedaling right, your bike doesn't care. You're not going to mess up your chain because you're pedaling poorly. Yeah. But if your chain's messed up, it could mess you up. Um, I think along those same lines is if your bike's making weird noises, you keep track of that too. Whereas mm-hmm. the physical and mental can, they usually creep up on you. The mechanical, we often think of the things that don't creep up on you, a blown tire, a broken chain. Yeah. You fed a stick to your derailleur and now it doesn't work anymore. Yeah, exactly. But there's also things that can creep up on you too. Mm-hmm. Like that, that creak in the rear end, mm, that doesn't sound good. Or, oh, I have a really good one. Oh, yeah, your little stick? No. 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 Oh. That didn't creep up on me. That blew my tire out and ended my whole day. So that one, he was not very happy. We'll start with that one, I guess. Okay. This is fun. Yeah, just because it's a fun story. Last weekend, I was uh, riding my bike. We were going to do two. I was going to do two of the three mountain bike trails in Des Moines. And I went up a turn and came around and I blew my tire out. And when I took my tire off, I ended up finding... A whole stick in my tire. Yeah. And this thing is like the size of my pointer finger. Yeah, that's actually... It's the size and the thickness of my pinky. Yeah. Like... I got Jen's pinky through my tire. Yeah, like over... A, it's somewhere between a quarter and a half inch wide and like two or three inches long. This thing is ridiculous. Yeah. And that was an example of a not creeping up issue... That was a issue now, and we're done. Yeah. But a creeping up issue that I had once was one of my skewers came loose on my bike. Ooh. Yeah, when I was biking to Knoxville. Mm-hmm. And the way I recognized it was just, it kind of felt weird, and it kind of felt more weird. And then finally got to a point where I'm like, why does my front end feel like it's just jiggling around? And so I got off and stopped, and sure enough, my skewer was all the way out. Not all the way out, it was backed out so much that it was just like hanging the tightening part was just hanging there and had i not been on gravel that could have been a big problem but yeah meh gravel yeah well going down some of those steeper hills you probably still don't want to have your tire fly off i don't want my tire to fly off period but thankfully because it was gravel it didn't like jostle itself it wasn't like mountain biking yeah yeah either way don't 
don't have your tire loose now on you. So actually, random trick with that one that we have instituted since then is always put your skewer in an up position. So if it comes loose and it's hanging down, you know, and then you can stop and fix it and not run the risk of losing your front tire. Yeah, amateur tip here. But if you put your skewer in a more up position, if it comes loose, it'll hang low. And then if your skewer is low, you know to check it. Yep. So yeah, anything else you want to say on mechanical? No. Make sure your bike's working well before you start. That helps a lot. Obsess over the brakes for hours on end. Oh yeah, we've been having a lot of talk about brakes over here. Anthony does not like his brakes right now. This is a fact. I don't have anything else to talk about. Do you? I don't. So until next time, guys, you can find us on Instagram at bottom.bracket.biking. Love to hear from you. If you do have anyone that you'd want to have on the podcast and hear from, or if you think that you have something to talk about, we'd like to hear that. Any other suggestions as well. And until next time, ride dirt, not mud. Thanks for listening. Have a good week.